0: I don't know whether during the, the various lockdowns and things, one of your tasks has been to sort out um, the contents of the loft or cupboards and closets that haven't been looked in for many, many years. I know Ruth Fisher has been saying in moving house, of course, you have to discover all sorts of things and you find things that actually, you've forgotten you owned or never knew you owned. And things you wish you'd seen a bit sooner because they were important to you. I spent a fair amount of time in the first lockdown um, digitising a lot of old photographs that I'd got that were on negatives, um, simply so that there was somewhere more convenient to store them. And our Old Testament reading is a bit like discovering some lost books, things that we used to know about but actually hadn't seen for a long time. Because when the Jewish people were taken into exile in Babylon, the scribes among them actually did manage to take some of their literature. But of course, there wasn't a temple and there weren't synagogues and it wasn't very well organized. So they didn't know about most of this stuff. (coughs) And 70 years later, when they came back, because there'd been a change in Babylon the old Nebuchadnezzar had been overthrown and Cyrus king of Persia was now in charge and God had long ago prophesied that Cyrus somebody would arise and would get the people the Jewish people to return to their land and that's what our Old Testament reading was about to start with from the book of Nehemiah and it has to be said that Ezra and Nehemiah are not the most popular books in the Bible. Probably they're not quite as unpopular for people as reading a book like Leviticus is. But the two books of Chronicles and the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah were all written by one person and written up in exile there in Babylon. And also concluded by the same person when they returned to Jerusalem, because it's the account of the return of the building of the temple, the building of the city walls, and now the reading of the law. And the scribe Ezra had produced the book that they'd kept safe while in exile, and actually probably edited a bit as well, because this was probably the last book of what we called the books of Moses, uh, the book of Deuteronomy. And there all the people were assembled. And if you just imagine it, All the people were gathered and a a, a platform had been built for Ezra and he got various other assistants standing with him. The Old Testament reading left them out, which is probably just as well because it's one of those sets of names um, that, that make your false teeth come out, as it were, if you try and pronounce them. So we left them out. But actually there was Ezra and about four on this side and four on that side. And they read the book of the law. And the people were fascinated. And they had to have a rest every so often. And they didn't just read it out. Every so often there was a pause, and one of those up there would come and explain what it meant to give the sense. It wasn't just enough to have it and read it. You had to understand it, too, what it meant. But that wasn't the first time that had happened in the Jewish people's history. If you go back before the exile, the last king of whom, which recorded God was pleased with, King Josiah, had a big reform and threw out all the the false priests and prophets and the idols and the the sacred poles and cut down all the places where um, where worship of gods other than the God of Israel, took place. And the, the high priest at that time pointed out to the king's secretary who'd come to make a perfectly normal sort of housekeeping requirement to the high priest. Oh, by the way, we've just found this book. Uh, it, it almost seems as if the high priest had, had no idea what it was. You know, because we were doing some reordering of the temple, and the king had ordered that, that money be spent on basically repairing all the damage that hadn't and the, the maintenance that hadn't been done for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Um, anybody in charge of a church knows that story very well. If you don't keep up with the maintenance, it catches up with you. Anyway, the priest gave this book to the king's secretary, Shapat. I said, I've just found this book. And clearly the king's secretary was an educated person. He read it. Goodness me, I must take this to the king immediately. So he took it to King Josiah. Josiah read it and burst into tears, and rent his clothes in sorrow. This is the law of the Lord, and we have not been doing it. We have been disobeying God all this time. And so it was read to the people, and they all howled and wailed, because they'd not been obeying the law of the Lord. Go 70 years further on, and the Jewish people have come back to Jerusalem, and now it's Ezra reading the book out, but he's saying, no, 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 Don't tear your clothes, don't cry, don't be sorrowful. Actually, this is a day of rejoicing. We're gonna have a party after this. We've rediscovered what we're supposed to be doing. This is a good thing. We're rebuilding the temple, we're going forward. We're going forward from that. It's a day of joy and not sorrow. God has not deserted his people and not deserted the temple. There were prophets who came back from Babylon Um, with the the Jewish people and prophets who actually also started to prophesy while they they were still in Babylon before coming back. We know this is the third section of the book of Isaiah. I won't go into the technicalities of how you divide it into three. But in Isaiah chapter 60, they've got a a very well-known reading because it actually frequently features in our Christmas readings for a carol service. And it's arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So, there, in the book of Isaiah, as the children of Israel come back to Jerusalem, you actually have our epiphany readings. This links with what we've been talking about in this season of the Magi coming to worship, the gospel going to the nations. It was actually all there in the Jewish people, in, in, the, in the book of the prophet Isaiah. And what we're doing is we're actually we're reproducing. We're going forward into this. And then later on, <coughs> the next chapter in Isaiah, That's the bit that Jesus quotes in the synagogue in Nazareth. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me and sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, release the prisoners, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now we don't know who that prophet was in Jerusalem as it was being rebuilt. It was clearly written in the first person, I have come and God has told me to proclaim this to you. We are going forward. The light of God is is still shining. God has not forgotten his people. He will be with you. And of course, when Jesus read that in the synagogue in Nazareth, they would be remembering the situation in which that was read and thinking, we still need that God. We still need God to actually remove the oppression of the Roman rulers, to remove the centuries of oppression, But even though we managed to rebuild the temple, we've never been left alone in all our history to be what the the kingdom of God that we believe God has called us to be. They would be thinking, yes, this is yet to come. What is this remarkable young man who comes from here going to say about it? And he sits down, because a Jewish teacher would always sit down, probably quite a good idea, I quite fancy that sometimes, Um, Today, he said, this prophecy has been fulfilled in your hearing just exactly now. Which also picks up the same thought that Heather was talking about last week when we had the wedding at Cana in Galilee. When the steward of the feast says to to the bridegroom, you have kept the best wine to just exactly now. So where do we go? The shock, the horror. The kingdom of God is complete. It has been fulfilled. It isn't going to be in the future, it's here now. The final lost thing, if you like, has been brought into the whole world. That Jesus is God's message to the whole world. Going back to that bit of Isaiah. Isaiah was quite clear that the message of God wasn't just to the Jewish people. It was to everybody. They couldn't see at that time quite how that would work out. But clearly it was to be everybody. The lost things you may have found in the attic, the cellar, the cupboards or wherever. Um, actually, Jesus told parables about lost things as well. and Luke gets them uh, neatly together. You've got the lost sheep. You've got the woman with the lost coin, and then you've got the lost son, the parable of the prodigal son. And Luke very neatly puts them all together. And this is the final lost thing. But where do we go from here? Well, the Christian faith is not a dead hero's society. We don't look back to the time of Jesus and say, that's wonderful. We need to learn from all that he said and did and and try and work out what he would have done. I know there's a movement that's quite popular that says, what would Jesus have done? But you know, the early church never said that. The early church always said, not what would Jesus have done in these circumstances, but what was the spirit of Jesus telling us to do now? Because we're in different circumstances, in a different situation. And it's hard. It's difficult. How, How do you know if you like, what the Spirit of Jesus is saying in a society that possesses nuclear weapons. We've no idea exactly what Jesus would have said, but we can interpret what the Holy Spirit is saying. So where do we go from here? And in fact, Jesus gives us the clue as well, because to the disciples, St John records that Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so have I sent you. And that passage that we had the father has sent me to proclaim good news to the poor as the father sent me so i send you to give good news to the oppressed to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives sight to the blind the year of the lord's favour but you say yeah, but I'm not Jesus, and I'm not one of the early disciples. I can't do any of those things. It's all quite beyond me. But Jesus didn't say you, singular. He said you, plural. So send I you, all of us. And the great uh, Missionary theologian of the late 20th century, uh, Leslie Newbigin, makes the point that the only effective way of communicating the gospel in the world is through a congregation that believes it, the you. And so it's for us as we move forward into a time of vacancy and into the future. How as a church are we going to be good news to those who are oppressed? Actually, I think we're not bad at that at times, in terms of being open and welcoming to people. To bind up the brokenhearted. How effective is our pastoral care system for those who need their hearts binding up? Liberty to the captives. Well, in Jesus' time, that probably meant people in prison as well. But there are so many people in our society that are captive to all sorts of things to bad habits, to poor housing, employment, to a history of shame in their own lives that Jesus through the Spirit can proclaim a glorious liberty to. Sight to the blind who've never seen it before, never understood it that way. Suddenly, now I see. That's, if you like, our calling as a church. That's our calling of lost things that goes all the way back to the people of Israel having lost the law of God in the temple and not bothered to keep it, to Ezra and Nehemiah discovering it with great joy, to the prophet Isaiah proclaiming that the light of God has come now to all nations, and Jesus saying, and it's fulfilled in me, and actually in you as well. Together, in the power of the Spirit, tremendous things can be done. There were three lost things in Luke's Gospel, two lost bits of the law. We are the third lost bit, you and me, that now need to go out in the power of the Spirit, to the glory of God, and tell the story of all that Jesus has done. Amen.